Where's the darkest place that you've ever been? Think about it. I took my family and some youth groups out to uh, the Black Hills in South Dakota. Uh, there's places there called the Wind Cave and Jewel Cave. And uh, uh, in order to go see those caves, uh, you have to descend in an elevator 30 stories. And there's some more steps to go down. Now, no offense, it's a good opportunity to do a Bible study on hell. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but as you walk through the cave, uh, they ask there, one finds a firm position, and say, now we're going to turn off the light. And so there are 30 plus stories below ground in Winder Jewel Cave. Uh, you literally can't see your hand like this. You can see what? Nothing. There's nothing but darkness. 30, nearly 300 feet below the earth. That's the darkest place I've been. What about you? Probably the brightest light I've ever seen, I was, uh, when I lived in Illinois, I was crossing the Illinois River, and there was a barge coming down. It had a beam on it. It was a little bit cloudy. And even though it was about a mile away, the beam came by my car, and I couldn't see for a couple seconds. It was so light, like one of those searchlights. That's the brightest light I've ever seen. What about you? What's the brightest light that you have ever seen? So darkness and light. We don't need to explain light. If you turn a light on in a dark room, if you light a candle, um, if you turn on a lantern inside your car, you turn the dome light on. Light doesn't need an explanation unless one is blind or blind to the light. There are some people who are blind who can't see light. Some people have some, um, some seeing impairments, but light's sort of self-explanatory. Unless you were there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, well, let me relive that account to you. And so Lazarus died and his sisters are all upset. They come to our Lord and said, Lord, you need to do something about it. My, our brothers have died. Um, and there, when Jesus came, Jesus wept. Now that's the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. That was my favorite confirmation verse to memorize. Jesus wept. There's just those two words. Jesus wept. And Jesus did cry. And if you remember what happened, Jesus said, Lazarus, come thou forth. And Lazarus came out of the grave and some people were astonished and believed. Some people fell over, just couldn't believe that Jesus could raise him from the dead. That's an account. However, among the crowd were Pharisees who despised Jesus. They despised his message. And they refused to believe what they saw, even though they knew they were, he was dead. Matter of fact, they said, now we have to kill him because he has a larger following. Some people cannot see the light, no matter how bright it is. And we're talking about spiritual light. We're talking about truth. Some people can't see it. They don't know that light. And so, do you know what's going to happen April 8th? I know it's spring. That's okay, pretty cool. But April 8th, 2024, uh, there will be a total solar eclipse here. Uh, I looked at the path. It's going to start in central Indiana and swing through northwest Ohio up into Canada. And so, if, um, I, I don't know the times yet. I'll figure that out later. But uh, a total solar eclipse... Um, the last one happened um, all the way back in 1806. I don't suppose any of you saw it. Never mind, that's okay. And the next one won't happen until 2099, and right now most of us what, won't, <laughs> won't see it. Now some of you might be saying, well, hold on here. I might still be, a, but for most of us, we won't see it, neither do we see that. So it really is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see the solar eclipse. Now in order to see it, now let me explain a total solar eclipse. Uh, it doesn't partially eclipse the sun. It'll be the total eclipse of the sun. And there will be an outer ring of the sun. And scientists will be able to study it. It's called the corona. 
Don't confuse that with a beach beer, okay? It's a different sort of thing, all right? Uh, but they're able to study it because they can't study otherwise because the sunlight is so bright. But for a total solar eclipse, they'll be able to study the corona there. But for you and I, don't look at it. It'll permanently damage your eyesight. No kidding. Uh, don't go, even if you go buy a 300 pair of sunglasses, that will not protect your eye. You'll need a special solar, uh, a solar viewer. Uh, there's a box that will that'll take in the light and reflect it off in one or two ways, and you can look at it through a hole. Or you will need to buy special solar glasses, um, and that will detract or refract most of the light out. Uh, what I'm trying to say is the only way you're going to be able to see the light during that solar eclipse is if you buy something and you're not going to see the light, you're going to be able to what? You'll only be able to see a witness to that light. Now, people will drive from hundreds of miles to get to see the solar eclipse, but you'll only be able to see a witness to the light. You cannot see the light itself. It's just not for us to see. And so with that in mind, enter John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, if you heard the last hymn, uh, he came, uh, God used him to raise up the valleys and to, to lower the hills and to make the rough paths smooth. And John the Baptist came as a forerunner of Christ and some people asked him, are you the Messiah? No. Are you a prophet? Are you Elijah? Nope. But he's the forerunner of Christ. Can you all read this with me? So he came to witness the light, much like the box we have uh, for the solar eclipse. He's only a witness. He's not light himself. He gives witness to the light. He can only share about that light. He's a witness to it. And so you and I, many times we, we sing this hymn. You know it many times. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was what? Blind, but now I see. Notice the hymn writer doesn't say I, was, I had some, some sight impairment or I was partially blind. He says we're blind. By our sinful nature, we can't see light. We're blind. The Holy Spirit has to enlighten us. And so when was it that you were able to see? I mean, the light. You know, like when Jesus raised Lazarus. When were you able to see the light? What brought you into the light out of the darkness of your sin? Was it your baptism? Was it a school teacher? Was it a grandparent? Was it a friend? Was it in a Bible study when you were youth? When did that light by the power of the Holy Spirit come real to you that you were able to believe and have faith? For those without Christ, they are blind. They can't see. They're like the Pharisees at the resurrection. They just cannot see what's happening. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, when was that that you were able to see? And so, friends in Christ, due to Christ, we're able to see. We're in the light now. We can see things. Uh, but we still have blind spots and we still live in a dark world. Yet Christ has come to be the light of the world. He enters into our dark world. And even though us believers see the light, we're still somewhat in darkness. Um, and Jesus exposes our blind spots. Let me go back to the dark world. So I'm riding to church this morning. It's still dark. Uh, the shortest day of the year is going to be, what, Wednesday or Thursday? But it's sort of odd to talk about light because, because that's the shortest day in the year. But during this time of rush around and stress, um, sometimes we're, we're given to, to, to the darkness around us. Uh, maybe the depression maybe so much to do, maybe we're given to more temptations because there's just so much going on around us. And so, so my, my wife and I, we went up to see my daughter uh, 
up in Lansing. They had a living nativity scene we wanted to see. And I'm walking around the narthex and I noticed that the same day we're having a Christmas cantata, they're going to have a blue Christmas service. Now that sounds rather odd. And so I went and I read a description. We're having a blue service because for some people it's a blue Christmas. Because there's been darkness in their life. Maybe a loved one died or maybe a loved one is uh, getting near death or dealing with cancer. There's a divorce. There's a lot of darkness. And so even though we say it's a season of light, for many of us, um, there's darkness around us. So there, there's some stress that we're dealing with. There's a lot of angst in our lives and anguish. And they're going to have a, a blue service to recall uh, that God is with them in, in the midst of their darkness. And so Jesus enters in our dark world. Why? Because even though... Um, we're believers, we still have blind spots, and we still deal with, with um, darkness. So you all know I'm talking about a blind spot, right? A blind spot is you're driving and you pull over and someone honks the horn at you, right? You can't see it. And we've tried some things to, we tried some things to improve that. Let me pull us back a little bit um, with, our, with our side mirror. Uh, they have a little ball there, right? It'll say this, objects in the mirror are what? <laughs> are closer than they appear. I, I'm now hearing that there's smart cars. Do you hear about that? Smart cars, if you start drifting one way, there's a car there, you get off the road, it'll pull you back. If there's a car in front of you, it'll slow you down. I don't make it up. And sometimes you're going a certain speed, it'll sort of lock in and, and learn your memory. But, but you could get pulled back because there's blind spots. So let's go ahead and talk about some of the blind spots that there are, okay? Uh, blind spots in our lives. So one blind spot is that the light's only for me. And I really haven't engaged myself in other people's life and see what's going on there, those people that I work with in a mirror. And so I, I sort of don't understand that. I'm sort of just isolated myself. But once again, Jesus came to be a light to who? To everyone, to everyone. So the blessing of Christmas is sometimes people who don't, um, no offense, darken our doors, the light is here for them. But sometimes I only see the light for me. Um, I can sometimes be, we can sometimes be nearsighted. And sometimes uh, the blind spot is light dimmed, uh, like celebrations dysfunctional. Now, you don't have to tell me how many family get-togethers you are. You don't have to tell me this. But are some of them like dumpster fires? I mean, there's people we don't get along with, right? I see some smiles. And I have to put up with this person, and this person doesn't know when to be quiet, and then this person's going to bring up politics, and this person's going to bring up sports. And that person hasn't talked to me all year, but yet we're getting together and we're going to have turkey and we're going to eat. And sometimes our light is dimmed or sometimes we do things out of obligation, including coming to church. We, we just go through the motions. And so sometimes, even though we live in a light, there's some blind spots there. We really don't see the significance of it. Or the light's limited uh, for those I agree with. And right now, um, someone might say, well, in my life I have this issue, this issue, and someone doesn't see things my way, and, and I, I, I don't see them in being in the light. I treat them rather poorly. Or for a church, sometimes there's a lack in mission and ministry, and there's a blind spot, and sometimes the church struggles in that. There's a blind spot there, and a church can't function properly because of that. And so the light is limited. Or another blind spot is light's fading, uh, I'm comfortable with the static quo, just, just how things are. Just keep things the same, even though God calls us uh, to be brighter light. Friends in Christ, I, I talked to a believer many years ago, and uh, he, became, he, he came into light as an adult, so he didn't grow up with it. And, and he told me that the thing about being in the light 
is that when he looked back in his life, he could see how dark things were. And he told me he had a man cave, and even with his wife and his children, he sort of ignored them. And every weekend, he was in the man cave with his buddies and have a few beers and watch ball games and have a pretty good time. And that, that's what he worked for. And while I, I sort of wasn't with my family, I didn't spend time with them. And he said that once I came into the light, I began, began thinking about things. Uh, that man cave had to go or had to be really diminished in my life. Uh, friends in Christ, when, when the Holy Spirit starts working your life and he starts shining light in your blind spots, like maybe how I treat other people or I need to turn my head at that attractive person or maybe I need to clean up my mouth a little bit or maybe church, I don't, can't see church as such a drag or whatever a sin it is. Whenever the Holy Spirit begins shining the light into those dark areas of your life, don't take that to be shame. Don't take that as a sign that God dislikes you. Take it as the opposite. He's, he's shining his light on you. He's calling you to confess and to be, be repent. That, that, that's how God brings us into cleaner, into brighter light. He sometimes points out some of the blind spots that we just can't see. And sometimes God speaks to us harshly through other people and say, have you ever thought about this or what about this? Don't take that, that God doesn't love us. Take it the opposite, that he's bringing that, the light into that. Or another blind spot is uh, we fail to see its enormity, that that's the answer to the world. Christ, the light of the world. And I think about, I think about this picture. There's a picture of the UN building, like supposed to solve all its problems. And there's a picture of a giant Jesus who knocks on the side of the UN building and saying, here I am, I'm the light of the what? When you give me a try, let me shine my light. So sometimes we fail to see its enormity that this whole world is going to come to an end and that there's going to be a judgment day and for us believers will be in heaven. Sometimes we fail to see that. So we live in blind, we live in blind, we have blind spots that our Lord shines his light on. Can you read that with me? So through his word, um, through the blessings of baptism, his, his meal, through, through, through this message, um, through our devotions, through godly people speak to us, that light's coming into our life to touch us. And he dwells among us and will dwell with us for eternity. Now you've heard about this in heaven. In heaven, we're not going to need any artificial light. We're not going to need sunlight or moonlight. Who's going to be our light? Say it. Yeah. Jesus himself will be our light. And we don't need anything else beside that. That's our eternal light. And I saw this on Facebook. I just had to put it up. He is far larger than his manger. Even though that's God in the flesh located right there, that, that bright light is, is beaming out and continues to beam out. He's the light of the world. He's far larger. Notice it says a king-sized bed, right? A different sort of king. And he overcomes darkness. He forgives us. He redeems us. He shines his light. Oh, by the way, can I say this? If there's something in your light, life that is dark, light a candle. Don't complain, but what? Light a candle. Bring some hope and peace to it. So he's the light that we shine all our ministries. Our Christmas Eve worships, our children's program this afternoon, our angel tree ministry, um, our food pantry, your life where God has put you, doing the ministry, doing the work God's called you to do, to be light to others. We shine that. So um, for God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made his light shine in our hearts, your heart, my heart, so we can know the glory of God that's seen in the face of Jesus who comes to us. In our darkness, our blind spots, he brings us in his light that we're forgiven and redeemed. And how about this for a closing thought? Can you all read it with me? Son of God, loves pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face, with the dawn of redeeming grace, 
Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. And all God's people say, Amen.